You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm excited to share that we have David Title on the line with us. He is a partner at Bravo Media, a creative production studio based in New York City, where he oversees creative direction and strategic partnerships. Most recently, David led the Bravo team on the creation of the Donut Theater Experience for the Krispy Kreme Times Square flagship. Prior to diving into the universe of experiential marketing, David developed and produced feature films, web series, and stage plays. David, thanks so much for being with us. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before I dive in deeper, let's tell the audience a little bit more about Bravo Media, part of the company with your team. And we definitely need to dig into these Krispy Kreme donuts. Absolutely. I mean, the Krispy Kreme donuts are probably the best thing. Um, (laughs) So Bravo uh, got its start going back to the uh, early 2000s and was really part of that very first big switch that we saw when video Uh, started to replace film as a medium and streaming online video started to become a predominant uh, platform. And so where we actually cut our teeth and and started to build our first team was around that first emergence where uh, all of a sudden sort of every company in the world needed quality video and animation content. And so we set up a kind of a pipeline to develop and produce that sort of content uh, across a lot of uh, industry verticals. And then as that world became more and more commoditized, we followed a number of our clients into what I would kind of at the time thought of as like the event space. And we began developing uh, displays and environments and content for trade shows and conferences that led us into bringing in our first full-time interactive developers onto the team, got us involved in things like projection mapping and touch screens and Um, Then over the years, we began to see opportunities to take a lot of what we were doing in the uh, event world and bring it into sort of more uh, long-term display. And kind of as that was all happening, the birth of experiential marketing, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, feels a little bit like back in my web series days when we called it new media, but um, because I think all marketing is experiential. But um, so these days we are uh, focused largely on various aspects of, of, I think, what's considered experiential marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, we work both on the sort of environmental side where we do a lot of motion graphics and animation and content for a range of different display. And then we also have a bit of a calling card in the projection and projection mapping world, uh, along with helping to develop often you know, kind of one-off and custom interactive or responsive experiences. So our team is really a hybrid of uh, creative designers and animators, interactive developers, and uh, sort of AV and electric engineers who get really excited when they have a chance to solder something. I love it. And when you brought up experiential marketing, there's so much conversation, like is store media? Is it another form of media? I mean, in a sense, you know, I think, as, as we saw, kind of, I remember the early days of new media when, you know, everyone saw web series and, and sort of, you know, YouTube as its own medium. And, and we kind of watched in the, you know, over the years, as that all kind of merged together? And now, you know, for, for, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, Netflix is making web series. Those are internet only uh, video content, uh, but it's all media and it's all consumed 
uh, across platforms. And I think in-store content is uh, a branch of that same world in many ways. And yeah. the expectations around it have, have grown uh, in the same way. So, you know, putting up, you know, putting up some nice posters or some nice light boxes, uh, which looked great, you know, even 10 years ago, uh, is not satisfying customers from an experiential perspective when they come in store. Yeah, I think it's the dynamic aspect of it, right? I mean, yep. you know, great lifestyle imagery, uh, great photography, all of that will still be important. We recently did a survey talking about digital signage, for example, and if you we surveyed um, our respondents asking if they felt that they would be more drawn into a location if it had the dynamic elements of like digital signage versus static and um, an overwhelming amount said that that would, that would be more intriguing. It would draw them in more. It is. Um, it's also an energy thing. I think yeah. one of the things that really struck me, and this was true pre-pandemic, uh, is walking into a lot of, especially large retailers, um, in, in, you know, and I live in, in Manhattan, so walk into a lot of them, uh, is how static the environment still felt just visually. And I think that's, you know, obviously exacerbated by the fact that there are just fewer people shopping right now. Mm -hmm. And so having digital media in your environment to create a sense of motion and, uh, and activity, I think is really essential just to make it not, you know, I, I was, uh, we were doing an installation at a large retailer and uh, I, we noticed that we were sort of whispering to each other, almost like we were in a library because yeah. Uh, it just felt too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it is. It is that, that energy that, and I think more than ever too, right? Um, as people are starting to come back out these days, they're going to be drawn even more. So I remember walking by um, a like Mexican restaurant around where I live and they had the windows open and they had a pop-up coffee shop and it was still earlier in COVID, you know, yep. even you were being even more cautious than you were today. And, and it, it, it triggered an impulse by, they had music pumping. Yep. It was like coming from the, from the windows and they happen to have a pop-up coffee shop in their window. And I wasn't even wanting a coffee, but then after that experience, I felt like I had to have one. <laughs> so. And that's, you know, that's so important because, you know, so many brick and mortar stores really rely on that walk-in traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a great data person, uh, but I don't think that uh, everyone walking into your store is walking in, you know, having come down the street with an intent to purchase. Right. And so, you know, how you're bringing, so, you know, what's happening in those store windows uh, yes. to what happens when I come through the door, what draws me back further into the store? Uh, all of those things I think are really key to helping some of the, you know, more popular metrics of, you know, how long someone's staying in store and how long, mm -hmm. how often do they come in contact with objects and, you know, all those factors, you really want to influence them. Right. But even more so, I think, you know, obviously we're all coming out of a very heavy online shopping period. Correct. Uh, and if, you know, if there's one thing I can say with confidence about shopping at Amazon is it brings me no surprise and delight. None. There is, there is just, that is not what happens when I shop on Amazon, but that's a huge opportunity for brick and mortar retailers to say, yeah, you can get all of your products, but you can also have an experience that can have an impact on, on how your day goes. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's a really important 
distinction to lean into because you know you're not going to beat Amazon on you know selection. Right. Well, and they have really smart algorithms. You know, I think we have a talk. Not as not as smart as I would think they would be. To be honest, sometimes I'm shocked that they're not better. But um, <laughs> well, comparatively speaking, I think that's yeah. one of the value adds they bring to the table. But so I get what you're saying, though. Um, there's there's sometimes a more functional aspect to to the experience versus that emotional evoking that emotional side of it. And so, what does experiential mean to you? Like, what is that formula of success? Is it evoking emotion? Yeah, I mean, I think it it has something to do with connecting with the visceral experience, right? Because that's the the magic of being able to interact with people in the real world is there's a, you know, there's a different level of intimacy involved in that than than anything you're going to do through a screen, uh, through a through a mobile device, being in an environment, uh, you know, our our touchstone words for for a really long time have really been surprise and delight. Uh, because I think those two factors while they, they may be a soft metric to track, uh, those are those key things that, that stick with us, those moments that we have. And especially in the retail world, you know, you're, not, it's, you're not coming to a play. I don't have two hours to weave my story and build my characters. Uh, so I am, I'm looking for those moments that, uh, that spark an emotion, that spark a visceral reaction of some kind. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a huge moment, you know, that little smile, that little moment where you see something or experience something in a store that brings a little smile to your face or makes you turn and take a second look. Those are huge moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they can be really impactful. No, absolutely. Well, can you share with us some of the best of class examples that you've worked with? I know, you know, we started the conversation talking a little bit about um, uh, Krispy Kreme. You also yeah. did something great for Moose Knuckles, Bloomingdale's. Yep. Like, share some, share a little bit of information of that with the audience and and what you thought made them successful. Sure. And I think what's great about those examples is they really talk about scale as well. So Krispy Kreme was uh, sort of almost a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity where we got to work with Krispy Kreme on the design and experience for their brand new flagship in Times Square. Uh, and obviously for any uh, for anyone, you know, that flagship is, is, is always an opportunity to go a little bigger and go a little further than you might do on, on your, you know, your smaller locations. Uh, so uh, we really embrace that and also kind of, uh, especially I think for flagships, but I think for retail in general, being aware of where you are, you know, this is, so this was Times Square and the idea of an, an experience that felt like a show was really important because you're, mm. they're literally on Broadway uh, and, and they're surrounded by this world. So uh, the the fun of that was to create this really multimedia experience that had an element of show. So what we actually created was um, really highlighting, they show their whole production facility in the in the flagship store, their conveyor oh. belt and the yeah. waterfall of glaze that the donuts pass through. And so we literally took all of that whole world and lit it up through uh, projection mapping, mm-hmm. uh, including mapping the donuts as they travel down the conveyor belt. Um, and, uh, and the glazed waterfall being a projection uh, canvas. And then combining that with, uh, we ended up creating five different original 90 second sort of shows, each themed to a different genre of music and style of artwork. And so every 12 minutes or so, the store is taken over by these little shows and it just injects a moment of, of extra excitement and life into the space. 
and creates this sense of, of event uh, constantly throughout the day and with enough variety that, you know, unless you happen to be settling in for a solid hour and a half of donut eating in store, um, <laughs> you're not going to see a repeat. Um, yeah. And so uh, I think that was really fun because it really let us use, you know, huge parts of, of their existing experience of how this product is made of uh, why it's special and then elevating it to this sort of uh, fantasy land which mm -hmm. uh, really fit in with the physical design of the space and the beautiful work that the architects and designers had done to kind of create this, this uh, kind of wonderland of donuts. See, I haven't even seen it. I mean, okay, I'm lying, I have seen it, but I'm not looking at it right now. Yeah. And I'm not physically there in the way you described it and the sense of event and all, like I could see it. I could see it, that visceral experience drawing me in. And I think it's almost like, reminiscent of like the Willy Wonka chocolate factory experience. Yeah. You know, it was funny because as much as it, you know, was truly a different scale and a different medium, our, our thinking at the beginning was like, we want to provide like the Bellagio fountains of Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm -hmm. And that thing, you know, when you're in Vegas and everyone gathers around for that moment when all of the fountains are going to transform into a show for a moment. Um, it's that same kind of idea of, of sense of event. Mm -hmm. uh, within, you know, within what was really just going to get some, some delicious donuts. Yes. It's amazing. I've been seeing while we're on the topic, I have noticed longer lines at Krispy Kreme drive-thrus yeah. of, of recent <laughs> I, than I've I, seen in the past. You know, unrelated to anything else, I have to say the, I, we've never worked with a brand that feels more beloved by its customers than Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I was like, oh, I forgot that um, this had such a following that it does. Yeah. But I, I mean, it, you know, grew out of the South and, and down there it, it's, you know, reaches near, you know, they, we learned so much when we were working with them, but you know, when they turn on that hot light and, and let people know that they're fresh donuts, people literally pull off the highway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I've seen the lines that I haven't seen in the past, which I was like, all right. I, mean, I don't know if it's really good with the more sedentary lifestyle we've been living, but um, they're always good. So tell me, uh, tell us, let's transition to Moose Knuckles. That was another really cool one you guys worked sure. on. Sure. So Moose Knuckle was, was uh, which is a, um, a high-end outerwear company primarily based out of Canada. And they have a flagship down in Soho, which if you live in the New York area, you know, Soho has been, uh, you know, was very hard hit during the pandemic and and is is still in the process of, of feeling alive again. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for the retailers, part of that was, you know, the, the street life is so diminished. And so one of the big focuses for, for Moose Knuckles in their store was, uh, you know, how were those, those windows going to help, you know, let people know that they were, you know, not just alive and well, but excited and active and ready to, you know, ready to, to start uh, interacting with folks. And so um, we created uh, these, what we called magic puffers, and mm -hmm. we used the silhouette of their, uh, their kind of their main, uh, their sort of key puffer jacket, uh, and then uh, made oversized silhouettes of them out of plexiglass and, and uh, a rear projection film and then took the designs of their new collection and uh, used those as the basis for projected displays. So in each window is a giant oversized puffer that seems to magically evolve through their different uh, styles and looks along with some 
uh, transitional animations. And, uh, you know, while something similar could, could have been achieved with a large monitor in each window, uh, I think there is, in the same way that over time, things like banner ads on websites, there was a whole thing around sort of user blindness to them, selective blindness, where you just don't even oh. see that banner ad because you know what it's going to be, so you don't look there. And I think to a certain extent, traditional uh, monitor screen signage uh, and display is sort of easier to walk past and not notice or not take in by moving to this uh, rear projection on these sort of perfect silhouettes of jackets, it again, it's back to that idea of surprise and delight where you see it out of the corner of your eye and then you look and wait, that's not a screen. I don't know how that's happening. What is, what is, what, what is making this? Uh, and I've already, you know, doubled or tripled that engagement time. Interesting. So how do you, I'm glad you brought up uh, some metrics into this conversation because yeah. ROI is always a big conversation when it comes to interjecting these aspects into the store experience. And that's why I asked the question in the beginning, like, is store media, right? Is, so how, how do you approach those ROI conversations or defining what the right KPIs are um, when you're working with your clients? You know, obviously it's different from client to client and, and engagement to engagement. You know, I, I like to think of ROX, okay. which is your return on experience. I like uh, it. As, as, a, as a metric to, to be discussing and be exploring uh, in, in the same way that, uh, you know, some, you know, marketing in, in the branding world tends to take on a slightly softer uh, trackability. I think these sorts of experiences and improving the overall shopper experience through these kinds of displays and environments uh, you know, some metrics I think are definitely trackable and, and we've certainly, you know, we work with a number of partners that are able to uh, embed, you know, the sorts of tracking mechanism that'll let you know if it, if it you know, how much your engagement time is expanding uh, and, and beginning to see if you can track some of those back to sales. But at the same time, I think, uh, you know, it's looking at the overall impact that it has on on that shopper experience. And, you know, are you beginning to show up more in social media because of these things? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, friends telling friends is still the most viable way to get new people to learn about you. Uh, I'm never gonna trust anything more than a friend telling me, you gotta go check this place out. Absolutely. And so those things I think are really key, but we also, you know, we, we also do interactive displays and things that have, you know, built in direct, you know, we've been, collaborating on a project for Bloomingdale's, which is a sort of kiosk tablet-based experience to allow you to create uh, custom wrapping papers using photos mm. from your from your phone. And, you know, obviously within that, they're providing an email, they're providing, you know, certain contact information in exchange for this, you know, awesome paper. And so there are ways to, to add more direct data capture. And I think it's just really important that those are fair exchanges. So, you know, I think why it works for the experience at Bloomingdale's is, hey, we're asking for your email and some contact information, uh, partly so that we can let you know when it's ready and you can come pick it up and, and opting into potentially receiving discounts and things of that nature. But in exchange for that, you're getting this really tangible benefit. And, uh, and I think people respond very positively to that. 
No, abs- absolutely. I completely agree with that. It's all about thinking of that, like, you know, what is the benefit you're providing back? I think consumers are more and more open to engage with technology as a whole, as long as there's a clear benefit back to them. And I think it's also important to, you know, your customers don't care about the data. They care about the experience. Exactly. You know. They're not thinking exactly two two different approaches, two different mindsets, the way the brand's thinking about it. Um, what was some of your biggest surprises though? Like when, when we think of, of ROX, uh, were, were there any um, activations you worked on that it saw a lift um, in a way that you didn't expect? Well, I think, you know, we're still seeing some of the impact, especially from more of the recent stuff, uh, as especially obviously in, in the retail space, it's been hard to, you know, get much in the way of traffic data uh, due to lack of general traffic. Um, and so, you know, I think the biggest thing that we've seen is, again, it's a softer metric, but more conversation happening around these sorts of things. I mean, the Krispy Kreme uh, experience, you know, it's, it's, you know, a funny metric, but, you know, because we took this element of Krispy Kreme and really built it out and made a thing of it, a, a tangential story, a uh, uh, made up story about it popped up in the onion, uh, highlighting Krispy Kreme's new flagship and some of the things going on with a tongue in cheek, uh, kind of uh, obviously onion style, but the piece itself was, was all across social media and, and you know, picked up everywhere and would not have happened if they hadn't thought about what that underlying experience was really going to be and gave people something to talk about and to write about and to share. Yeah, I love that. And now I can say, I can actually say of my work as seen on The Onion. Oh, so, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, tell me, what do you think, where do the possibilities go uh, in terms of in-store innovation now that we're really living in this BYOD, bring your own device world, right? I mean, yep. I think we've seen adoption to technology for sure in new ways over the past 12 months. So what po- possibilities does that open up? Well, I mean, I think, you know, kind of the the most obvious one has been what for a large time was sort of everybody's ugly stepchild of QR codes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks to them serving a real purpose throughout the pandemic in terms of allowing people to get touchless access to digital content, whether that was menus or checkout or, you know, numerous other things. And the fact that it's now built into your phone's uh, operating systems and they can access it right through the camera. The use of QR codes is definitely something we're seeing as not just uh, a way to get somebody to your website or to serve them a PDF or a discount code, but you can activate all sorts of things through QR code. And in fact, uh, an earlier piece that we worked on for Moose Knuckle had included an in-store experience that was using uh, essentially thermal cameras to show you sort of a heat map of yourself. Uh, and then a Instagram filter that simulated that experience was created. And we were able to use uh, QR codes that you could scan and in one click, it would launch that filter directly on your phone as long as you have Instagram on the phone. Uh, so all of these ways to interconnect the in-store experience back to the mobile device, but to keep that as integrated experience, not, oh, I'm sending you into your phone, mm-hmm. see you later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you, what are ways that you can get people to use that phone as the sort of interactive tool that in fact opens up the experience in store even wider and makes it more fun and more magical and, and more engaging? For sure. I've been talking about how do we uh, 
empower our consumers' phones as the remote control to their yep. experience. And QR codes just work as a great little, you know, button essentially to doing that and, uh, and is getting richer as we go. And, and, you know, I certainly think, uh, you know, we've certainly worked on and we're seeing uh, more applications of, of AR uh, in store. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, that still has a little ways to go both in terms of, you know, making sure the, as one of my uh, favorite uh, clients of all time used to say, make sure the juice is worth the squeeze. Uh, we say that all the time. <laughs> um, and I think one of the knocks against a lot of AR experiences is like, I did all that and this is what I get. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think that's a really, uh, you know, something to be, you know, hyper aware of because giving somebody, you know, a negative experience is, is worse than no experience at all. Uh, but we're certainly seeing more of that incorporation into, into, you know, real world experiences as opposed to something that you're accessing at home through an app. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, exciting to see. And, and again, for us, it's, you know, how can we use this technology in a way that's really going to, to truly enhance something uh, as opposed to, you know, show off the technology? Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's really important because consumers are smarter than that. They don't yep. just, did, right? It's just not like, don't just show me a shiny toy. I mean, sometimes that's cool, but I mean. When, I'll never forget having yeah. uh, a number of retail executives in a room at, talking about AR. And I said, so uh, which AR apps do you guys have on your phones? Yeah. And they said, none. I said, when's the last time you used AR in a store? Never. Why do you think your customers are different? Um, you know, if, if you're not engaged by it. Right. You know, this idea that the customer is somehow some other class of human being that you are not, <laughs> uh, like you don't actually go shopping. Right. Um, I think it's really important, you know, again, like, you know, data collection is really seductive and, and technology is really seductive, but you really need to constantly be putting yourself back into the customer's, you know, literally shoes because they're coming in now. Mm -hmm. and, and what is that experience? And would you love that experience? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think we did a recent survey too. Well, it's the end of last year, and we asked people, um, "Where do you find the most value in an AR?" And we asked, mm -hmm. we listed beauty, uh, apparel, auto, home. Guess what the number one answer was? I'm guessing beauty. I thought it was going to be beauty. It was home. Too yeah, that bad. was my second guess. Being able to put that couch. I'm going through it right now. We're moving into a new apartment. And I'm literally using AR apps to see how that couch is going to fit and to see how those chairs look in that room. And it's, you know, again, much like QR codes, when the technology solves a problem for me in an elegant and effective manner, mm -hmm. then it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm going through it a little bit too. And I Every time I get a question, is that going to fit for my husband? I'm like, oh, I need that app. But it's it's true. I think with AR, it's it it's just it's got to contextually really make sense. And I think with home, it does. I do think beauty. I was surprised more people didn't say that. Um, but we probably I, also had uh, male female in the audience, so sure so that probably skewed it. But I mean, know, I think the thing about the beauty value. AR apps again is is the the technology's gotten to the point where they really work. You really can right. tell what that, you know, how that lipstick will look or how that eyeliner will look. And, you know, another, you know, glasses, the, you know, 
right. trying on glasses at Warby Parker is just something it's literally just fun to do for the heck of it. I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's always more challenging to engage folks on a deeper level when they're out and about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of these sort of experiences that I'm doing at home, you know, some of them I'm literally doing cause I'm just sitting at home. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And you won't be forever for sure. Yeah. What brands do you think continue to push the industry forward when it comes to experiential and integrating that into their in-store experience? Well, I mean, I, I definitely, I think for whatever reason, we're def- you definitely see the, the sort of sportswear and athletic and sneaker world has mm-hmm. been pushing that for a long time. In fact, uh, I was just reading, uh, you know, a brilliant move by a, one of the large, uh, so Dick's Sporting Goods mm-hmm. uh, is opening a new concept, which is going to include a full, uh, a full-sized athletic field attached to the facility with a track and play space. And, and, you know, on one hand, it's a way to try out that gear, but it's also a way that they can begin to form a relationship with our community and how they use that. Uh, you know, I think you're seeing, you know, stores like Nike and, and, uh, and a few of the other, uh, footwear brands really pushing the visual experience of their in-store uh, and it seems to be, you know, a lot of it obviously is starting at the flagship level, but I'm seeing more of it in those second and even third tier kind of stores. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't spend as much time in the in the beauty retail world, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think there's been more and more integration of those sorts of experiences, and I think uh, they've uh, the rollouts that I've seen have been really. Uh, worked much better than, than, you know, kind of a lot of the technology that we've seen in store in previous generations. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think obviously we're very excited about sort of what, you know, where we can bring things in terms of that, uh, hybrid of, of sort of digital, digital, visual, Mm -hmm. uh, interactive, but I do think, you know, a huge part of success for retail is is really expanding that whole experience. And so, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot offering little workshops on how to do stuff is brilliant. And, yeah. and it's amazing it took this long. Yoga and the DIY classes, person's out, right? The DIY person has been course. ignited over this past 12 months for sure. Um, and so I think all that kind of stuff, uh, and you can really see, you know, uh, there are smart ways to do that across almost any any vertical. Uh, so it's how you're engaging, you know, those shoppers and, and what are you offering that I can't get online? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that combination of, you know, how does it look and feel and, you know, what is the sensory experience of shopping and what can I do to uh, make that more impactful? And then, you know, what else, what else happens in that shopping experience for me aside from acquiring goods, which is the only thing I do when I'm online shopping? Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's, it, you're, you're intersecting at different, different points of a consumer's kind of mindset Absolutely. where one's a little bit more functional and one's a little bit more emotional. One of the things too, I guess, last question here is you talked about who you think is kind of pushing the industry forward and who's been um, excelling. And I definitely agree. I, put, I would put Nike on that list. And, but I think one of the reasons that allows them to do that too is, is content. They have amazing content and not everybody has the in-house capabilities for that. So how do you intersect with clients um, when they come to a point 
you know, say I called you and I said, we have this great store experience. Here's what we're thinking to do. How do you help bridge it and get it to the next step? So they have that robust content that makes, makes it all come together. Sure. I think that's a huge challenge. I think, you know, and this is true in store and I think in the whole digital out of home space as well. You know, it was one thing when you were putting up static marketing collateral, it didn't change as often and you didn't need as much of it, but the, you know, just the churn rate alone for digital display is, is quite high and the demand for it to be of a certain quality is, is there from your, from your consumer. And so we work on a lot of projects, both in the retail and also in areas like commercial real estate and digital out of home, where there may already be a visual infrastructure in place. And what's really needed is a better uh, stream of content that can evolve and change and, and either be responsive or be, you know, an ever-changing mix, but finding content partners that can create uh, the sort of work that's needed on an ongoing basis. And, and you know, for a number of locations where we're, we're doing sort of lobby displays, we work on a essentially a subscription basis where they're getting a new sort of batch of content on a scheduled basis. And then they're also, you know, able to make requests for special event or uh, one-off kind of looks and things. And, and so they're constantly uh, presenting a fresh and vibrant environment to both the tenants that are there, the folks coming in to interact with those tenants, and obviously keeping those buildings attractive for new folks. And clearly that's a big challenge uh, facing, you know, most of the commercial retail world right now. Absolutely. It comes up all the time, I think. Um, and I agree. I think it's up there with one of the biggest. I mean, once you've gotten past the conversation of, okay, well, what's my ROI or ROE, as you say, um, it's, yeah, it's how it's going to get to the next step. So and it's also just to throw in the other, the other pieces that, you know, uh, especially as as folks try to move past sort of very traditional 16.9 kind of monitor display, it gets more challenging to have that kind of content that, that's going to work in these wild LED arrays that are, you know, in the form of a triangle, which looks amazing and is going to get you better engagement, but you also have to plan for the fact that that content is going to require a higher level of, uh, of difficulty. No, absolutely. Um, well, any teaser, I mean, I want to keep this episode as evergreen as I can, but anything, the, any teaser you're working on right now that you could, that you could share with us? Well, uh, I, I can't say a whole lot, but we are, we're working on a really fun promotional uh, campaign that's going to uh, light up some, some neighborhoods around New York City that we're really looking forward to. Uh, I love it. And uh, yeah, and we're, you know, super excited just about, you know, seeing everything kind of opening back up and, and you know, there seems to be a real genuine desire from from both sides of it from the consumer side and and from the from the brand side to say hey this is you know this is a real opportunity to you know define the next chapter in mm -hmm. in in this you know in the world of brick and mortar retail and and i think the brands that embrace that and and take things to the next level are really going to benefit from it i absolutely agree i mean i think the opportunity in this is that it has pushed retail to get better on average yep. and it has uh, opened brands and retailers minds and understanding I have to have something unique 
like you said, that cannot be offered online? How do I draw that into the store experience? How do I um, evoke that emotional connection? Um, how do I bring somebody deeper into the value proposition, right? Beyond Absolutely. just being a product company. Um, so I do think there's a lot of exciting opportunity there. And then with having more opportunities to track, you know, dwell time or yep. impact to sales. So, you know, it helps justify um, those investments. And Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also like tracking the attribution of the in-store visit. And really, and, you know, on the technology side, Bringing in, you know, we, you know, one of the things we we spoke with Moose Knuckles about is, you know, how how can I take this this initial investment in the hardware side? So bringing projectors in store for the first time, mm-hmm. and other technologies like that. Talking about how you can make that part of a an ongoing, ever changing environment, uh, so that that initial investment in the hardware is something that you're able to, uh, you know spread the cost over, you know, numerous in-store campaigns. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's true. You're thinking of it, that asked is that one upfront cost, but then how can you monetize it across your fleet um, is definitely an opportunity there. Well, this was a great conversation. I could talk experiential forever. Um, and I am excited to see what we'll be able to do together in the future as, you know, whether it's pop-up or permanent, I definitely, you know, we're starting to see a lot more um, inbound uh, and conversation of okay, what can we do? Especially as we're looking at you know, holiday is going to be around the corner. Yeah, somehow crazy, before, right? You know, before we know it, I think it's going <laughs> to. I know be- we're going to. I can't believe that it's true. You're like, oh my god! In like a matter of weeks, people are going to be asking serious questions about holiday display. Yeah, yeah, but I think, like you said, we're going to light it up. I think it's yeah. going to be um, a lot of really fun activations uh, this year, which is Absolutely. which is exciting. So, everyone, again, this was David Title. He is the chief engagement officer and partner at Bravo Media, a creative production studio based in New York City. Thank you so much, David, for being with us today. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. <laughs>